0: rainy day diary listeners i have super exciting news for the last few years i've worked on a book called find your rainbow for girls and it is officially out for pre-order it's a book about celebrating differences it offers practical friendship tips overflowing with inspirational takeaways and so many activities for girls of all ages you can find the book at amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com i am so excited this book is finally going to be in this world and i know your girls are going to love it lastly you can find more information at jenniferlynn.com Okay, now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to Rainy Day Diaries, an imperfect podcast that will dive headfirst into how you can thrive in your creative life and business, even if you struggle with mental wellness. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and as a longtime struggler of anxiety and depression myself, I hope this podcast will help you realize that you could still get stuff done when you deal with all these crazy things on a daily basis, that you're not alone, and that falling down does not mean you won't get back up again. I thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you have any suggestions or questions or topics you'd love to hear about, please email me at jenniferlin at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. So today on Radio Diaries, I am interviewing Marlu Sipris, and she is an illustrator in the Netherlands. She does comics, she uh, illustrates books, and she has a great take on being real and talking about mental illness in a really unique way and the environment and all these cool things mixed into these really cute comics and illustrations, and I love her style. It's so unique. And I kind of introduced you already, but would you like to introduce yourself, little bit more and talk about what you wanted to be growing up and what you're doing now? Uh,
1: I think you covered it for the most part. um, (laughs) I'm indeed an illustrator and um, as of this year I'm writing as well which is really exciting to me because oh yeah I wanted to be a children's uh, book illustrator for such a long time but I wanted to write my own picture books as well and I think I'm getting there, but for now it's just, I'm mainly writing articles for grown-ups now. So it's progress. I'm getting to the children's part at, at some time. Um, but before I was an illustrator, um, I actually was a graphic designer and a photographer. And I did that for a couple of years and I worked at ad agencies and stuff. And um, at one point I wasn't really happy anymore. and wanted to do illustration. Um, And I started freelancing in graphic design first because um, it was just easier for me to get into because I already was a graphic designer and I had uh, some clients I already knew. So uh, going into freelance graphic design was just the way to go for me at that point. And I thought I will figure out how to get to illustrating just uh, along the way. I hadn't figured out how to do it, but I thought I will get there. Um, and I had a lot of weird jobs when I was in art school and stuff. Um, if people, if, if I find uh, a situation awkward, I will just make it more awkward by talking about the jobs I had in the past. Like um, I was actually a grave digger for a while. So I <gasps> no way. <yeah. laughs> That's just like the weird. I need you want do to get
0: pre- a job doing
1: that? Oh yeah, it was so weird because um, my mom, uh, she worked. Uh, how do you call it for the uh, the town, we not the town, but then the, just the bigger. How do you call that? Just City? Um, the council, I think. The county. Yeah, she she worked for the county, and um, um, they were looking for young people that uh, enjoyed working hard. And I always <laughs> enjoyed working hard. And they said, "Well, do you want to work at a graveyard?" I said, "Yes, yeah, sure, fine, it's quiet, peaceful, <laughs> nobody bothering me. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm an introvert." Um, So I really enjoyed doing that, although it's really weird, I think, to a lot of people that I that actually is like really weird.
0: Really... I, I literally <laughs> talk about graveyards with my husband the other day as we passed one. I'm like, "Do they? Did they freak you out?" He's like, "Not really." He's like, "I don't really want to be one, like, be there at nighttime," but he's yeah. like, "They don't scare me." I'm like, "I don't know. They just freak me out." Have you seen the movie Hocus Pocus? No, I haven't. You have to. It's around yeah, Halloween. No, no, oh, I, my I goodness. I haven't done my to watch this. That <laughs> is your homework. And I'm going to harass you on Instagram until you have a screenshot of you watching it in your pajamas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I'll tag you here, Jennifer, here's the proof. I'm actually doing this. <laughs> and I'm scared
0: of everything. Like, literally, I'm scared of everything. And I'm scared of half that movie. Um, but, yeah. but I love but that. This isn't, isn't, so isn't it supposed to be comedic? Something it is. It's a funny. It's a kid movie, but I'm just oh. a terrified person of everything. So there's like a dead person in oh, it, yeah. and it's not even like a terrifying dead person. But like I'm just scared of everything. So
1: well, <laughs> yeah, the, the scariest movie uh to me is ET. I am so afraid of ET. I've watched it when I was, I think, six years old or something, and I've never watched it again because it freaked me out. <laughs> so that's actually my scariest movie. I I preferred uh it with the clown from stephen king oh god
0: no yeah i I preferred that over (laughs) (laughs) et yeah i've never seen i think i've never seen any scary movie i think this i'm i'm such a scaredy cat that have you seen like tim burton's movies like Coraline? yeah you definitely illustrated but that one scared me i can't watch that one again (laughs) i'm (laughs) going so off
1: topic i know i'm sorry
0: no it's
1: so, but I, Ooh, goodness, good freaking.
0: Oh, I don't even know how we got here. So yeah, because
1: I worked at a graveyard. Oh,
0: <laughs> yes. Um, after the show, after this show, after this episode, I, I've had some weird jobs too. So we will, <laughs> um, we will discuss them. We will discuss this later. <laughs> um, so when you were growing up like a little girl, you actually wanted to be a children's book illustrated or? Um, yeah
1: um i think my i talked about this with my mom and she said um that i was around I think, five years old six years old and then i said i want to be a painter and then my mom said oh that's such a nice job because our next door neighbor uh he was actually a painter and he painted houses like the windowsills and stuff oh said that's such a good job and i said yeah but I don't want to do that I want to be in a museum <laughs> I was really particular I wanted to have my work in a museum and I've never been to a museum at that point so I have no idea I think I picked it up on tv or something that's
0: so um, funny on ET yeah
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> the
0: sequel ET goes
1: to the museum <laughs> yeah I think that was it <laughs> I think that triggered me a lot <laughs> um so I um I always knew I wanted to do something with uh, that involved drawing and I always loved drawing and then at uh, at one point uh, one of my cousins she said she wanted to go to art school and I think I was about eight nine years old then and she was slightly older a few years older than me and she was really determined to go to art school and I thought oh I want to go to art school. I can paint all day and draw all day that sounded amazing to me um so uh, at, I've never wanted to do anything else because I was in high school and people were confused. Oh, I don't know what study to pick to just go to which university. And for me, it was so clear I want to go to art school. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, that was, I was straight ahead. I will go that way. And yeah, that worked out for me.
0: Do you have an art school in the Netherlands?
1: yes we do okay <laughs> we don't walk on wooden clocks and we don't only have tulips we well you said
0: big. before the call your town <laughs> is very small where you could drive an hour and you're in a completely different yeah town. So i'm like I, I, I don't know how small is small so saying, <laughs> i live in a seven hour state, state
1: Yeah, i can <laughs> imagine but just imagine that um the u.s is really big and you can drive for an hour but the netherlands is like cramped we're all cramped together. So it's all like the art schools are, are in a little
0: line together. <laughs>
1: like, yeah. All
0: it's,
1: the <laughs> <laughs> I've been to the US and everything is so like wide and broad and you have so much space. And just Netherlands is, we have it all, but it's like really cramped. We are like an overcrowded closet. But so you're in like New
0: York. It sounds yeah, like a but
1: even, even New York is slightly broader and really? wider. Yeah, okay. because I, I went there and I thought, Ooh, this is so nice and the cities here are so small and tiny and the roads are small and tiny so it's, it's so cute. Like, yeah, yeah it's cute but it's like really <laughs> overcrowded over here um, okay,
0: then you're moving to Florida uh, that's
1: it <laughs> yeah bring me over Okay,
0: uh, send me a plane please I, I, it's already on the way I have my own <laughs> personal check yeah
1: everybody does in the US
0: <laughs> of course <laughs> my backyard uh,
1: yeah but but we actually have multiple art schools and um i uh, i I went to art school when I was eighteen and I moved out of the out of the house because everybody does that um in the Netherlands basically everybody moves out around eighteen and um, I went to art school for four years and graduated in visual communication, so I have a bachelor in design um and after that I worked as a graphic designer for a couple of years and as an art director as well and then I realized I wasn't too happy um I didn't know what was bothering bothering me because um how do I explain this uh I was I feel felt like I was really privileged and I was really happy that I got to do art school and yeah you you, you have to know a little bit of the backstory I'm really from a working class family and I was the first one that was able to go to university. And my parents really hoped that I would be a lawyer or a doctor. And what did their child wanted to be? An artist. So it was at some point it was really.
0: Hey, your mom knew you fun. wanted to paint houses for a living. Yeah. When you were
1: <laughs> I think they preferred me painting houses than painting uh, uh, pieces for museums and stuff. But <laughs> it was fine. Um, so. Yeah, I actually got to go to art school, so I felt really privileged and then I got to do graphic design which is kind of the um better version of being an artist because you actually get paid. So they were really happy with that. And um I after a few years I realized that I wasn't completely happy. And I thought, I think I have to go back to illustration. I have to go back to drawing because that's where it all started for me. And I think I have to go back to the core. So that's basically um, why I turned to
0: illustration after a
1: few years. So
0: how long have you been a full-time
1: illustrator? Oh, wow. Um, I have been... It's a thin line because at one point I mixed freelancing as a graphic designer and an illustrator. But I think the turning point was around 2010, somewhere, somewhere there. So I've been freelancing as an illustrator for eight years now.
0: Okay. So it kind of went like you had this job that you kind of liked, like there were good benefits, but that's not where your heart is. And so when you uh, transitioned to like freelance graphic design, and then I'm assuming you kind of implemented some illustration in there and then it turned all into illustrator. Yeah. That's how. When did you quit your job?
1: um, I quit my job in 2009. Oh, okay. So, So I did a year of, Uh, full-time graphic design and photography as well and uh, after a year I decided okay I have to do more illustrations and um, in 2010 I decided to do uh, illustration as well Um, and I did some graphic design as well when I in in that period because I needed to pay bills so graphic design was easy for me to do so it was a kind of a transition point in 2010 you know how difficult it is (laughs) to say 2010 for a, for a Dutch person is really a da, 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 da.
0: <laughs> like Sorry about that <laughs> We'll pick another year. How about 2011? <laughs> yeah, let's say 20. Oh, 2010. 2010. 2010.
1: 2010 is much easier. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So, was your style always the same as it is now, or it has it kind of transitioned as well? Um. I think
1: with every style, it 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 changes over the years because you grow as a person. And I think the most important thing is um, the more you draw, the more, uh, skill, the more skills you get. So um, it's like um, with any skill, if you, you train it a lot and you get better and better. For example, if you're dancing, then at first, if you start dancing, it might be a little bit awkward and you're not that flexible. And if you do it a lot, then you get a lot more flexible and you start dancing more uh, like with a flow. And I think it's the same with your hands. If you use uh, certain tools a lot and you build up, as I call it, a kind of archive in your head, you know how to draw things without looking at subjects or uh, instead of Googling it, you just know it, you get you get more skills over the years. So um, sometimes I look back at my older work and I think, oh, that's really sweet and cute. And uh, I can't draw in that style anymore because my skills gotten better. So I can't, like, I used to draw uh, things really, um, I don't know call, how to call it in English, but, like, really static, it wasn't really flowing, it looked a little bit awkward always, and I kind of enjoy that now, looking back at my old work, but I can't draw it anymore, because my skills got got better, so I know more about anatomy and that kind of thing, so I know I shouldn't be drawing like that, if you know what I mean, so, um, I think your style always changes, because you get more skills, and you get more uh, experience in it.
0: No, that's a good point. So then, what would do you remember your first illustration jobs were? Oh yeah,
1: I do. <laughs> because um, I'm, sometimes I am um, a really how do you call it? We call it black and white. That you think in black and white. So really uh, contrast. I can think in contrast really well. Um, and uh, I remember that I wanted to get an illustration but i've been really disappointed in this illustration when i was in art school when i was in art school uh, two of my teachers they said said um you can't really draw so maybe you should just quit drawing and just stick to graphic design because you're much better at that i was i was heartbroken I i was devastated i all my life i thought i was going to be an illustrator And then you get into art school and people say, oh, yeah, you're not good enough. Maybe you should pick something else.
0: I'm like, what? This is my... You're the second person I've interviewed that their teachers are like, "Mm, no. Some
1: teachers just suck. That's
0: terrible. Yeah. Shouldn't you be encouraging them to be like, hey, maybe if you look at this horse for an extra 20 minutes, then maybe you'd be able to draw (laughs) this horse. (laughs) Instead of being like, don't draw the horse. Never draw the horse. (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i think um teachers should be ac- encouraging and i feel like some teachers are really disappointed looking back at it i think my i think my teachers were just really disappointed with how their lives have turned out and they were just unhappy but mm-hmm. i was 18 years old and i didn't understand that back then i didn't have the life experience to see it in perspective um and now i do because it was a little bit too late but whatever um but the teachers told me that I wasn't good enough. So um after doing graphic design for a while, after freelancing graphic design for a while, I thought I want to get back into illustration and I will just give it one shot. I was so weird at that time. I just thought I was going to give it one shot. I was going to make an illustration for a children's magazine that was um, having a contest back then and um I sent in an illustration for the contest and I thought if I get through, through this contest, then I will continue on to be an illustrator. And if they uh, don't like it, I will just quit it altogether, and I will never draw something again. Oh my god! <laughs> that that was my policy at that. That was what I was going to do. So luckily, uh, I got in second, and they said, "Oh, I really, we really love your drawings, and it's so witty, and it's different, and you should, you should continue on this path." And I was like, "Okay, I will do this." And then I, the other day I thought, okay, what if they had said that it's not good enough? It, it's just looking back at it. It's just an opinion of a person. But I was, so, I was so heartbroken after the advice of my art school teachers that I thought I couldn't handle one more rejection. I thought if I will get another rejection, I will just quit because it just breaks my heart every time. It breaks my heart every time someone says, oh, we don't like your work. And not now I'm be- better I'm, I'm a professional now so I can can deal with it better but back then I was just too vulnerable to deal with that
0: what age were you went during that like shift like when you when you entered that contest were you still in your 20s um,
1: yeah I was in my 20s I See, think that's what I was the 20s do <laughs> I yeah, don't know 20s. how old you are now but like I, I'm I'm just so the day I I turned 30, I was just ecstatic. I was like, yes, 20s are finished. I'm done. Me
0: too. <laughs> I turned into a unicorn on my 30th birthday. Yeah, I think uh, me too. Just an inner, just in,
1: in, in my inner self, I'm a unicorn. I,
0: I am too. Yeah, I love the 30s. I don't want to go back to 20s ever. How old are you? <laughs> I'll be 35 in March. Oh yeah, I'm turning
1: 34 in two weeks. So oh, we're
0: happy birthday! Uh,
1: <laughs> but I just don't get when people say, um a lot of my friends say, Oh, I'm turning thirty and they're just so uh scared of it. And I think, but it's the best thing ever. It's I was so excited nice. to
0: turn 30. Oh, I'm like too. goodbye twenty you were horrible yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. I was so happy and um I, I wouldn't want to some people say, Oh, I wish I was twenty five again. I said, Oh, please not, please not. I don't want to be twenty five ever again.
0: Yep. It's funny cuz the older people get they're like, "Oh, to relive the 20s." I'm like, "Do you remember your 20s?" I'm like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> "You don't remember. Your, if if someone says, "I want to be 25 again," I, I always think you don't remember. What you were like when you were twenty five? Because exactly no, to twenty five, I think. We literally
0: had this conversation last night with my husband and his coworkers, but one coworker is twenty six. So I'm like, you can't listen. i was <laughs> like, the thirties are the best. <laughs> like, yeah, they are. You're sure you're more them. sure of yourself in your thirties. Absolutely. Once you hit that thirty mark, you're like, screw everybody, I'm me, and it's okay. Yeah. I'm gonna do this. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah i totally agree i was a mess when i was in my 20s so i'm really happy to be in my 30s now
0: me too i'm looking
1: forward to my 40s maybe i will get even more (laughs) i
0: heard 40s are great i'm kind of scared (laughs) of that right now because like i just am um but i i heard 40s are good but let's backtrack Mm -hmm. to teens i want to hear what your teen year was like oh it sucked
1: (laughs) Oh, my life sucked until I turned 30. Um, No, Um, I had a a quite, um, well, I didn't have a bad childhood, but I had a um, a chaotic childhood, and um, I got picked on really bad by my classmates, mainly because I could draw, so that's the weird thing. I could draw, and one of my classmates, she was so incredibly jealous of it, I think. In in hindsight, I would say, say so. Um... And she was kind of the pack leader of the class. Uh, so she, uh, she said, uh, you can't play with Malus and you can't go to a birthday party. And it started around when I was eight years old. And it lasted until I was... Um, we, we go to high school when we are 12 here in the Netherlands. So it was between age eight and 12 that I got picked on really bad. Um, and that really defined uh, me as I am still as I am today because I'm... I can be very insecure. In some parts I can be very um, secure of myself and I know who I am, but I can be really insecure when it involves other people. And I think that goes back to my childhood. Um, And also um, I don't think, uh, I think my parents were in a really rough spot back in the day. And I had a really, uh, one of my mom's best friends, she uh, took me in, in her house for a while and she Partially raised me, and that was really good for me because she was very creative, and she really stimulated me drawing and wanted wanting to go to art school. So that was really good. So I was picked on until I was twelve, and then I went to high school, and um, I was kind of the odd duck out. And looking back on it, I wasn't that insecure anymore, but I never really fitted in. So um, I always felt I was a bit different from the rest, and um, that made me feel a bit weird at times so i wasn't into guys i wasn't into boys i wasn't into dating and i i couldn't i couldn't be yeah I, I just wasn't that bothered about those things and i just wanted to go to art school and i just wanted to make art and make stuff and when you're 15 or 16 and you're not into guys and you're not into dating then people start wondering hmm, maybe she's a lesbian <laughs> Maybe she's just weird, and yeah, I think I was if you compare me to other people, my age back then, then I maybe was a little bit weird um but I also think I knew very well who I was already, and um it it's that's the weird thing because I think I knew very well who I was, but because people were responding so weirdly on that, I thought this is not okay the way I am, so that's really that was really um i think it was quite rough for me back then
0: did your Um, parents appreciate who you were
1: oh no i don't think so
0: mine either (laughs) i had a lesbian talk i think i have like a make fun of each other family so i got made fun of a lot for being sensitive and for like liking art and like not being obsessed with boys and not dating and that was like not okay even in my household and so I was like, I get bullied at school and I get bullied at home. It's great. <laughs> like- yeah, you you start to think, okay, this is normal. This is
1: this is allowed. If if my parents do this and my classmates do this, this, apparently this is the way the world works, and that can really mess you up. I wasn't really bullied by my parents, but um, I the, the main problem with my family is I I was may m- yeah mainly raised by my mother. My uh, father they were together, but my dad was working so much they had he had two full-time jobs oh my so he wasn't around the house a lot Um and so I was mainly raised by my mother and I am very similar to my father so my mother couldn't really relate to me she didn't really understand I was so different from who she was when she was younger and she had really difficult she had many difficulties I think um with me being um, who I was and um, I think she absolutely did her best i I honestly believe that, um but I always felt a little bit left out because my brother is very similar to my mother, so they had a stronger bond and because my father wasn't really around, uh, I felt like the odd duck out, so I was the odd duck out in school I was at at home, so I didn't really i I didn't get bullied in high school and I didn't get bullied at home. but I always felt really alone, <laughs> so oh making me cry I'm sorry. Um,
0: let me, no, I'll, say, I'll say a funny thing. So you said duck and I call myself black sheep. So we're both um, animals. Yeah. yeah, we're both animals.
1: Um, no, this is a thing as well. I cry a lot.
0: <laughs> I too, but that's okay. I yeah. learned, I didn't, I thought, so my parents didn't like that I was sensitive. They said like, be strong, don't cry, don't be a weak person. Yeah. But there's actually, so when I was 25, I realized like there's something called a hypersensitive person. I'm like, oh, I'm all of these things. It's okay that I am these things. Like this is real. And so now and I actually, like, I actually think sensitivity is a really strong power. It is. It's a superhuman power. It's a superpower. Yeah. power.
1: And if people don't recognize that sensitivity is a, actually a superpower, then they're just missing out. They're really missing out. So yeah, and, and I, I've actually heard about hypersensitivity as well. And I think I was around 20 years old when my actually my my doctor he diagnosed me me with uh HSP. Um, hypersensitive so hyper- person. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was the first time that I thought, okay, this is this is apparently who I am. And that made me really change uh it changed a bit the way I looked at myself. Um, and I think that helped me in a lot of ways but On the other hand, uh, I've been to uh, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, psychologists and therapists over the years, counselors, everything. Um, And they do like to put labels on you. And uh, sometimes I have a hard time dealing with all those labels. I think, um, for example, I've been diagnosed with uh, ADD, so not ADHD, but ADD. Um, So I'm really distracted very easily, they say um i have been diagnosed with hypersensitivity so um and at one point they said oh you might be a little bit artistic as well <laughs> but yeah just throw it in it doesn't matter anymore and then this year i got uh the label dysthymia as well which means that um i'm chronically depressed but in a mild version so um i thought okay great you give me all these labels but uh i don't think it defines me it just if I have to gather gather something from all those labels, I would say that I'm easily overstimulated. So I get, uh, if I walk, walk into a really crowded street or in, into the city and I get so many, I hear all the noises. I see everything that is happening around me and um, that overwhelms me very easily. Um, so to me, it's fine that people want to label me a specialist not just random people um but for me it's very it's very good to know that I just get overstimulated very easily and that I have to be really careful with myself not to put me in certain situations so um that's one of the reasons I don't go to parties at all I don't go to parties because if I go to one um after I think 30 minutes one hour I get overstimulated and I am about to cry and I always thought why am I doing this to myself and a lot of people say yeah for example my mom said yeah but that's just the thing you do you go to birthday parties and you you just show up that's the thing to do and now I think well well not for me I don't go to birthday parties because um I'm not a nice person when I'm at a birthday party because I do. I will just stay, stay in a corner and just see if there if I can do something like pour drinks for the other guests I just think just leave me alone I don't want to talk to people
0: so yeah I'm more of a assistant at birthday parties so when I I used to make jewelry for a living and now I draw like you and the best part about drawing is I could bring like a notebook and a pen and like some colored pencils and people I got to the point where like even going out with like maybe like two or three or four people if I start feeling overwhelmed I'll just bring out my notebook and I'll just look up and, and nod, and then I'll keep drawing, and I'm just like, look, I'm participating. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's the best way to deal with that. Especially because, like, in New York, we had, we were part of, like, a group of friends, which I, but it was, like, a huge group of people, so when we went out to dinner, it'd be, like, 12 people, and that is very whelming, and we're, like, a one like yeah, to dinner weird. with one person and yeah. so I would just sit there and I would draw and I'd listen to the conversations and I kind of draw whatever the conversations were and I'm look I'm interacting like. <laughs> but then you're still in
1: your drawing bubble as I call it I call it my drawing bubble just, just safe
0: there yeah <laughs>
1: it's so comfortable and people think you're there but you're not actually there so that's you're the great there. thing see your 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 body is there but your mind isn't and that's the great thing I've
0: drawn like, a few funny comics just on, like, things I've heard at, at, like, parties and stuff where I was overwhelmed. (laughs) Yeah. That's the
1: only reason I even go out anymore. I just want to hear what people are talking about and just watch people, but I don't really want to interact with them.
0: (laughs) That's what I miss about New York. I hated the subway when it was really crowded because, A, you have to stand and you get pushed around and sometimes you're, like, in between two really sweaty people or hairy people and that was (laughs) gross. But... I miss like all the really weird stuff like yeah. that I've heard in there or like on do you have the Time Hop app? There's an uh, app called I Time know, Hop. Yeah, I know of it, but I haven't It I haven't. shows you like what you posted on social media like one years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago. And yesterday it said, um, there's a girl on the subway in a full gold Spandex bodysuit. Wow. Eating an entire watermelon with a plastic spoon. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. That. <laughs> that was like five years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a thing that I, I, I'm actually from the countryside, so I'm from a really small town, and now I live in a, one of the biggest cities in the Netherlands. Can't compare it to New York, but it is uh, really big, and I, I, I really needed that at one point. That the I needed the overstimulating, I think, a little bit just to push my boundaries and you have so many of those kind of people here as well so people that are doing weird stuff in the city and wearing weird stuff you you don't do that in a small town because everybody knows you and in a big city you can just do whatever you want because nobody knows you
0: (laughs) i feel like in new york everyone still knew everyone not me i didn't know anybody but like (laughs) extroverted people knew everyone like (laughs) yeah I
1: I understand that. I I think (laughs) introvert people don't know anybody and that's the thing I like. I like not knowing anyone actually. (laughs) Sometimes I do want to know people but I'm really happy just being by myself I think.
0: Nothing wrong with that. No I don't think so. So let's talk more about illustration. Um, So we you um, started like eight years ago. And your first illustration thing was like a children's contest. And then how did you kind of like get your feet into the illustration world? I realized it was like different eight years ago. Like, so Instagram wasn't really a a tool, like a business tool back then. But like, how did you kind of progress to where you are now?
1: Yeah, that's the thing, because um, I think I was on the, Um, I think it was about to change because eight years ago, um, I actually was on Instagram already. Um, because it was just new. Instagram was totally new. You already had Twitter and, um, I was just turning to be an uh, illustrator. That was my goal. And, um, I brought my portfolio to some of the dream clients that I really wanted, some magazines, some publishers, and I got a lot of no's. So people were saying, "Mm, no, this is not what we're looking for. And in the Netherlands, they were quite traditional back then. they they still are, I think, um, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we like your work, but can you do watercolors? <laughs> and I was doing everything digitally back then. And I said, no, I'm not going to do watercolors. Yeah, but if you do watercolors, then you, maybe we can make a book with you. I said, no, I don't want to do watercolors. <laughs> so I was really stubborn as well. um That's the weird thing. I really wanted to be uh, published as a picture book illustrator, but I didn't want to give up um, the thing I believed in. And I honestly believe that I could make it one way or another with what I was doing back then. Um, so if you get a lot of no's, this is, uh, we have a Dutch saying uh, that says uh, there are more ways that lead to Rome. So there's not one way that uh, leads to your dream goal. So if one way doesn't work, you have to find another uh, way to, to get there. So I thought, okay, I can't reach the publishers. I can't reach the magazines that I want to work for. So maybe I could do some marketing. Um, I knew of Twitter. Instagram was just starting. And for me, that was really comfortable because I actually worked at an ad agency. So I knew how marketing works. So I already had that experience. I thought, okay, what if I put my knowledge to good use for myself, for my own business? So um, I started publishing on twitter and i started publishing on instagram already (laughs) and um that seemed to work because i got my first job for a picture book through twitter it was a weird thing yeah it was really weird um because someone sent me an email and uh it said uh we are just we're a new publisher and do you want to make a picture book and i thought I'm just starting out, this must be a hoax or something. This is not real, this is a spam email. So I ignored it. And uh, then uh, a couple of weeks later, I got another email of this this man and he said, uh, have you received my email? We really want to do a picture book with you. And I thought, hmm, they might be serious then <laughs> if they're sending a follow up email. So I contacted them and I, I still didn't realize they were serious because I was just starting out as an illustrator, um, but he was. And he wanted to make a picture book. And that's how I got my first picture book deal. Which was in 2012, I think. And um, it went really slow. Um, sometimes I see young illustrators just graduating. And they're progressing so fast in their career. just They're just on top of the game after a year. And mm-hmm. sometimes i look at that and I think, Oh, it took me eight years to get there. And that's fine because times change. And... Um, sometimes I envy them a little bit I think oh I wish I could make a full-time living out of illustration within a year but it took me I think about five years of working to make a a proper living of it but on the other hand I'm really grateful because I've learned so much in five years and I think if I had to do it in one year I would have missed so many uh, life lessons as well so yeah sometimes I envy them but on the other hand I'm really grateful to have have had it at such a slow pace. So what are your top three life lessons you learned as an illustrator? Um, Be patient. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. Um, um, Be nice to people. I think that one is really important. Um, I think a lot of illustrators might think that skill or talent. I, I prefer to call it skill and not talent. Um, um they think that's enough to uh, make it in the illustration world, but there are many really skilled illustrators that don't know anything about marketing and they don't know how to communicate with people, and they just get stuck, because I think being an illustrator is not just being really good at drawing. I think it is so much more than that. It's also being able to communicate with clients. It's also about doing marketing for yourself, being out there on social media. And it's also being nice to people. So it's it's a combination of things that makes someone uh, a professional Ill- illustrator, I think. Um, so we had be patient. I think that's very important. Be nice. Um, and the third one is... Hmm, don't undersell yourself. Mm, that's a good one. I think... Um, with with that I mean that the way you perceive yourself or the way you put yourself out there is um, how people will perceive you so if you put yourself out there as a very very insecure you can be very skilled but if you're saying oh I made this drawing but I'm not sure I don't know if it's good enough me 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 then people are going to look at you like maybe she doesn't know even if the drawing is really well but people are going to think she's so insecure that might be um um how do you say it? Do you know what I mean?
0: That No, I do understand.
1: Yeah, that that I think if you want to be a professional illustrator, you have to be you have to have a little bit of confidence and just say, I can do this. But if you say to a client, well, I really want to be an illustrator, but I'm not sure and I'm really insecure and I don't know how to handle this, then the client might think, We shouldn't hire this person because if she's doubting doubting her skills, and how can we trust that she or he will do the job very well? Mm-hmm. So I think you have to have even if you doubt yourself sometimes, that's fine because everybody does that. But be a professional and just um that's maybe life lesson four as well. I'm writing <laughs> the- that one down too.
0: <laughs> I'm like Just right.
1: work hard. <laughs> just just work your butt off. I think like I said before, uh talent or skill doesn't bring you everything it's also about working really hard if I I look back at eight years ago the only reason I'm here today as an illustrator is because I worked really 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 hard I almost worked day and night to get here I think a lot of people think oh yeah she just got here she's like it it was so easy but it really was a really tough ride
0: so when you first started did you create like a portfolio and then pitch all the, like your dream people or did you have like a couple of illustrations like did you already make um, a website and pitch them or how did it work for you um
1: yeah I had some pieces and I did a lot of free work myself a personal work how do you call it it's personal, personal work, work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I did a lot of stuff myself and I um, got into some communities with illustrators as well and they had like this these daily uh, no no, no not, not daily they had the weekly challenges um, and I did a weekly challenge and um, that way I built my portfolio a little bit but because I got rejected by clients quite often um, I worked away uh, around it and I just published my work on my blog and uh, on Instagram and on, on Twitter and uh, that really worked for me so uh, I have to say I don't do a lot of um, I don't approach a lot of clients, and I don't approach a lot of publishers or magazines. Uh, it sounds really weird and it's unconventional, I think, but I let them come to me. So, it's so fancy. <laughs> it's so fancy. I'm so fancy. No, you are. But, yeah, but it's, it's the um, because I got rejected so many times, I didn't know how to to do it, and I was really lucky that um, I could put my work out there. Um, and just show the people, this is what I can do, and then clients came to me like, oh, we really like that piece. Can you do that for us as well? And I was like, oh, this works as well. So it's the it's the complete the other way around, and it it's so unconventional, I think. And um, sometimes I say to young students, like, you have to build a portfolio, you have to send them to clients. And uh, to be honest, I never did that. I, I'm starting to do that now. To I have a a list with my dream clients that I really want to work with, and I'm. Just started to emailing them, Um, but the other thing is that sometimes I'm really scared of rejection again. So I can get really um, sad when people say, "Yeah, um, we don't think your work is suitable for us." And I don't get like really down or anything, but I think, "Ooh, that stings just a little bit."
0: So in 2012, that's when you got the first picture book. I'm really curious, and you could tell me. Don't ask this question, but when (laughs) so they were new starting out, did they? offer you enough to do a picture book or was it like did you did you know what you should get as an illustrator for the picture book like did that deal like work well all around
1: well the thing is that i came from a graphic design background and from a marketing background and i think that was really useful to me because i already knew i'm never going to work for free i'm i'm always wanting to get paid because i take this seriously People say I work for free. I, I don't take them too seriously because then you're just an amateur, I think. And uh, it should, for me, it wasn't a hobby. It was just, I, I really knew uh, I wanted to do illustration and I want to do it as a career. So they offered me money and I am not sure how much it was. Um, but I already knew this is, going, is not going to pay uh, all of my bills right now. And it's not... Um, I already had set a, an hourly rate and I thought I was going to spend so many hours. And that was not like the, the amount they paid wasn't enough to cover all of my hours. Um, but on the other hand, it was one of my first jobs. True. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of illustrators just do it for free. They think, Oh, I can do a picture book. Oh, I will do it for free. And I already knew, um, the, the, the amount they offered me had five, uh, four numbers. So four numbers. So I already thought, okay, this is fine. I can work with this. If they would have offered like five hundred uh dollars, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But they 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 gave me uh a bit more than that, so I I was fine, and I thought I can make this work. And I think they paid really nicely, considering this was my first big job. And they had also a lot of trust in me. They had faith that I could do it. And if there's one thing that I uh, have, do you hear that dog? I hear a dog. <laughs> do you have a dog? No, I don't. The neighbors have a dog. So you hear that. Sometimes it's you hear okay. a dog. Sometimes um... we
0: hear Blue Jays in, in my podcast, so it's fine. They knock <laughs> on my window. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute.
1: Uh, um, Where were we? Um <laughs>
0: So, oh yeah, that's
1: one of the things that I have I appreciate a lot, that people trust you with something and they have faith in you and they didn't set too many boundaries. They said, just use your own creativity and we trust that you can do this. And that's so very important to me. And um, that's why I really wanted to do this job. And I'm still, um, the illustrations are not what I do right now. And I know if I got to redo the book, I would do it completely different. but I'm still really happy that I got such a, such a nice job in the the early. Yeah. I was just beginning. So that was really good.
0: So when was the shift? So that was 2012. And so you started in 2010. So then when did the shift happen where like you were starting to make a living? Like you said five Um, years, I think, right?
1: Yeah. Well, well, I think actually um, I moved to uh, Rotterdam uh, from the countryside in 2013 um and um before that I was living with my uh then boyfriend and uh, we paid the bills together and then in 2013 we broke up and I moved to the other side of the country
0: and I suddenly I had far away from him as possible <laughs>
1: yeah yeah the, the complete opposite of the country it was so weird <laughs> um so then I started out here and I had to do everything by myself I had to um, pay my own bills, and I had to do everything by myself. And I wasn't used to that because I've been with him when I was since I was seventeen. So I've always really, um, I was always a, a part of a, a couple, and I was really used to doing everything together. And then all of a sudden, I was all alone, and I had to do everything by myself. And that included paying bills when you're a freelance illustrator. Well, that's really tough here in the Netherlands. It's like a really because the pay for illustrations is quite bad here in the Netherlands, I have to say. Maybe some people disagree, but I think the pay is really bad. Um, So I then realized I have to shift gears and work even harder to make a living from it. So I knew that was really tough to do. So I took on a part-time job and uh, I did the part-time job that paid a large part part of my monthly bills and then I built my freelance business as an illustrator even further that's smart so, yeah I, I, I thought it was a smart move and I had a, a part-time job until um 20, 20, 16, maybe 27 tw- 2016 so 2016 um was the year that I um uh uh, said to my then boss, uh, "Sorry, but freelance business are, is really going well uh, right now, and I am afraid I have to quit." And he was just really happy for me. Um, and then uh, starting so so now for over two years, I've been living off illustration solely. So
0: yay. <laughs> yay! No one on really the podcast about. can see, but I'm clapping. I'm <laughs> <laughs> clapping too, so it's all good. I'm not clapping away. Yay. <laughs> Um, so then, what is what was your work mostly in 2016, and then is it different than it is now?
1: Um,
0: no, I would say it's it's quite style-wise. You mean? I meant more like are most are your jobs? Since I don't, were they mostly books or like spot illustrations in magazines or like what what is? Maybe I'm
1: asking this wrong. No, no, I understand what you mean. The weird thing is that I actually started out in children's illustrations. So in the early, in 2010, I started doing educational books for children for in school. Um, I did children's magazines. And then in 2012, I did the picture book. And then in 2013, um, I actually started working for Flow Magazine, which is a really big magazine here and now internationally as well. Um, and then I shifted to working for grown-ups. So I was first first working for children's books. And then suddenly I was <laughs> launched into the, the grown-up world. I was like, oh, this is quite different. Um, but it suited me very well. And um, yeah, it, it opens just more doors, I think, to be able to work for grown-ups as well. And then you have a lot more magazines to work for. Absolutely. Um, so that really opened some doors so in that way um it was quite different because working for children is just very different than working for grown-ups so in 2013 i started working for magazines um what else did i do i I did do an illustration for uh, a children's book um but i was shifting more towards grown-ups than for children so in that way it did change a lot and um, i've been doing magazine work and um book work i I also design book covers um for also grown ups and um so I've been doing that now for five years, and now I'm at a point in my career that I think, okay, I want to go to children's books again, so now I'm again on this crossroads, okay, what am I going to do and I think I think I will do always work for magazines and for for just uh, adults um but I just love working for children so much. So I want to pick that up again.
0: Do you change your style when you do that? Or is it kind of similar? It's, it's
1: exactly the same. That's the weird thing.
0: No, but see, um, that makes me happy. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I, I think that's um, because uh, I think an illustration style is very similar to your handwriting. And you can change it a little bit. Um, but it's always going to be your handwriting. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with illustration style. I think um, whether I uh, draw for children or for uh, adults, it's always, you can see that I did it, I think. A lot of people tell me it's always very recognizable that you did it. Um, The only thing is that if you work for children, you tend to draw more children. And if you work for adults, you draw adults. So I think that's the only thing. You just change the audience and you also change the way you speak, I think. So for adults, you can um, talk about more grown-up stuff like mental health and uh, self-care and more difficult topics. And for children, you just stick to the topics that interest children.
0: True. So you just segued perfectly into what I was trying to get to my next question, is that I love that you, I don't know if it's been in the past few years, like you're very open about um, talking about mental health or like there's comics about like realistic situations and. Do you feel like in the last few years, you've gotten more comfortable talking about that? Or that, like, how did you kind of shift in? I feel like I'm not asking questions right today. (laughs) I need more caffeine. That's fine, I
1: totally understand because English is my third language. So we're we're just fine, we're we're good. Um, I I like it when people ask just really, the way you're asking questions is just fine for me. It really works well, so that's good. Um, I actually started, uh talking about personal stuff in 2013 so i just moved to the big city um and i just broke up with my uh, then boyfriend we had our relationship for 11 years oh my and goodness 11 <laughs> years holy crap <laughs> it's a long time so i was really i was changing so much uh in that period um i was moving to the other side of the country which was really a big contrast with uh, which with, with the place i was originally from um I was, for the first time, I was single in in my adult life because... Uh, 11 I've been... years. <laughs> yeah. So there was so much going on. And I um, really felt that I needed a, uh, something to to um, process all those things. And I started drawing them. I started writing them down, drawing them. And um, at first it was just for me. I had a sketchbook and I drew all these little scenes in it. And I wrote a little bit with it. And then I thought, oh my I might publish them on my Facebook, my personal Facebook page. And I did that. And a lot of my friends said, this is really nice. This is funny. And I thought, this is funny. This is like really serious shit. Um, (laughs) I'm going to heartbreak. You think it's funny. Um, I didn't even realize because um, actually my relationship with my ex-boyfriend wasn't that healthy. And um, he, he sometimes said to me, you're really not funny. And I've always thought, well, no, maybe I don't know. I think I'm a little bit funny. <laughs> and um I started drawing them and they were um really heavy sometimes because I was just going through a breakup and I was just entering a depression. <laughs> so it was uh everything was changing and um then I realized because people said it's really funny that um even when something really tragic happens to me, I always see uh something funny in it to make it bearable, I think. So for me, um, laughing about something makes things bearable as well. Um, and by drawing personal stuff and adding a little bit of funny twist to it, it makes it, um, I don't know, but it, it makes it better for me. So I realized very early on that if I drew what's going on in my life, um, it just uh, gave me so much perspective. So some people go to a therapist and they talk a lot about their problems. <laughs> And I, I did that too, and I still do. But it really gives me. It is. I think it's the same effect. If you, you speak out about what's going on, and for me the draw, the drawing does the same. I just it's, it feels like speaking out what's going on in my mind, and it's kind of a therapy, a drawing therapy for me. So
0: would you consider yourself your own therapist? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm over.
1: I, I'm even over analyzing some stuff. Um, have
0: you have you? Can, 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 can. never mind I was gonna be like have you I can't think of words like have you I could goodness gracious because earlier we talked about well they told me I'm this and this and this I'm like so what does Marlu's think (laughs) is?
1: sometimes weird it's like an outer body experience like hmm how do I feel about myself now um (laughs) sometimes even when I'm writing something down I feel uh, a therapist speaking to me while, while analyzing what I'm doing right now Um, But it's also healthy because it gives me a more objective perspective on who I am. So by drawing something, if I, sometimes stuff is going on in your mind and up until the point that I, if I draw it, if I have it on paper, then I can actually let it go a little bit. That as soon as it's on the paper, I understand, oh, that's why I'm doing this. So it gives me so much perspective to get it out on paper. And I, I write it down as well. So sometimes I don't feel like drawing and I just type it on my computer and I type everything that's going on in my brain and I call them my brain dumps. <laughs> so once everything is out on paper, I, I can um, part from it. So I can part from those thoughts and I can part those feelings because they're out there. So they stay in unless I draw them or write them.
0: That's so healthy. It is.
1: I think I I can recommend this to so many people. Just start writing down what's going on in your brain and it gives you so much perspective. Um, So I I started doing that in 2013 uh, while I was going through a really heavy period in my life. And the thing is that I didn't really have an audience back then. So I did have Instagram, but there were just a few people. So I could just pour pour my heart out on the internet, and I just knew nobody's nobody's listening, nobody's reading this, so it's fine. Uh, but the more I posted about my personal stuff, the more people started following them, and they started saying, "Oh, this is really help, helpful for me as well to write that other people are going through this as well. Thought, okay, people are starting to listen now, and this is getting a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what happened actually, so it, it's it's easier when nobody's listening, I think.
0: I think there's a mixture like there's something kind of cathartic about being like this happened and other people being like me too you're not alone and then at the same time they're like oh crap I shared that (laughs) like is that okay like yeah sometimes I doubt
1: myself very much and I will I will share something and I put it out on the internet I think was this really smart to do (laughs) was this a smart move to just uh because you get really um um the, the more focus is on you, the the more you realize that people are listening, listening, and there is a big group, pe- a big group of people listening. The scarier it, it gets. So if I post something now on the internet, I don't try to think of the people reading it. I just imagine this. Um, I have a few people that have been following me for years, and I try to imagine them. Yeah, including you. <laughs> I just know there are a few people that will have my back anyway and they will appreciate that I do this. So I keep focusing on those people. I know that they are going to be supportive about this. So I don't think about all the thousands of people reading it. It's just when I post something, I know there, there are just like 10 people that appreciate that and that's fine.
0: See, it's so fascinating because my following is very tiny still and your following just hit a really big milestone. Yeah, it's weird, it's too weird sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 no, fine. but to
1: me uh, when i hit uh i think 100k i just realized um i think those are two stadiums full of people that's so that's so and that's freaky that if you, if you imagine that how many people that is that is just way too many and oh, i well, i am yeah. sure i'm sure they're not all reading everything and i think there are a lot of ghost followers as well but but still, there are a lot of people.
0: There's not a hundred thousand ghost followers. Those are a lot of people. I'm i just. I didn't think about that perspective though. That like, a hundred thousand people are staring at like your life. Like, yeah. Granted, I love your life. Like, I love the way you interpret your life. I love your life. I want to be you. <laughs> like, Do you want to happen? Do you want to? Share? I, sure. I want you we'll to share it. Mind. I'll take fifty k of those. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Just send them my way. Um, no, but I think it's so cool because it's, like, um, I'm an overshare. Like, I've always been an overshare as far as, like, my business goes because I feel like it's important, like, that other people know that other that people are going through crap because a lot of people are going through crap, but they feel lonely. So I'm, like, have my crap, and then, you know, you're not alone because you <laughs> do tons of crap. <laughs> Let's <laughs> share anyone, crap everywhere. Has anyone ever said crap that many times in one sentence? Like, goodbye. <laughs> It's funny because it took my husband a long time and it still bothers him, I'm sure, now, but it's taken him a transitional period to be like, Why are you sharing that? Why are you sharing that? And now it's transitioned to, Are you sure you want to share that? As you're going to share that, why are all these grammatical, grammatical errors in there? <laughs> <laughs> so, now I think he's more perturbed by the grammatical errors than sharing, but every blue moon mm. he's like, Are you sure you want to share that? I'm like, It's fine. Like, it is what it is. Like, I posted, yeah. I, Sorry. <laughs> no, no, just keep talking. interview me now no I was gonna say like on my personal page I'm a little more freer on my personal page and I'm pretty free on my Instagram so that says a lot but the algorithm change has been so big and then having a baby I post way less like I'm even less present and then the algorithm change is like shifting and so I feel like within the last six months my numbers like my attention has gone like way down and I'm posting less and then even my newsletters have gone way down and so I'm like no one I posted about my book and I'm just like no one even knew it was for pre-order and it's been for pre-order since July and I feel like I talk about it all the time and nobody knows it's for pre-order it's freaking me out and so I wrote that on my personal page and I wanted to post it on my pers- on my Instagram just to see if nobody knew my book was for pre order there too. But because he made such a big deal yeah. posting it, I'm like scared to post it. Like, <laughs> but that's
1: exactly the thing because uh, it involves you. You think you talk about it often. For example, that you had a baby. I didn't even know you were pregnant, and I was like, what? How did I <laughs> miss this? You probably thought, oh, I mentioned this quite a lot. I meant, but people don't. It's really good to to uh, remember yourself that people are they they are following a lot of people and you're not the person they are following on Instagram. So um, sometimes I think, oh, I share too much, but not everybody's going to read that. And if they do, then they will. They are following other people as well. So um, that is true. And the other thing is that uh, about sharing because what you had with your husband, I had with my mother. We were uh, uh, sitting in her car and she was driving. And then she said at one point, "Are you comfortable sharing so much about your life?" She said, "Because you can hurt, can get hurt really easily, because oh, you're, you're letting your shield bad. down." <laughs> yeah, she said, "You you can you are letting your shield down, and people can hurt you really badly because you're putting yourself out there. You're really vulnerable right now." She said, "That's going to uh, backlash on you." And I said, "I don't think it will because yeah, I, I do get hurt very easily now because I'm so." I'm very vulnerable and I'm really sensitive as a person Um, but on the other hand I get so much back if I don't share these things I wouldn't have the really amazing feedback of all the people I wouldn't have met online still so many good people so I'm really happy I am that sensitive and vulnerable online because it gives me so much more yeah of course it gives me crap as well Um, but it doesn't the the positive things I get back for it is so worth it I'm so happy that I did it so yeah I think it's just good
0: so what is is it I know there is like virtual bullying and because you have a hundred thousand people on there have you had any like mean oh yeah plenty (laughs) see I I don't get it like I don't understand it takes so much energy to be mean and to like spend time writing mean stuff but I guess
1: I I have to be um, realistic here if I compare myself to other people um, I don't get that many negative comments if I have uh, 100k followers and the mean comments I get are so very rare I hardly get them but I do get them um but i still consider myself very lucky i think i have an amazing crowd of people surrounding me they're like my, my 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 shield and um if something bad if somebody leaves me a bad comment there's always one of my followers just jumping on it like don't be so mean what's wrong with you and i'm like oh people are people are sticking up for me and i don't even have to ask for that they're just doing that and it's just amazing so i am so very lucky with the people that I have surrounding me. That, that's just amazing. Um, but sure, I, I've gotten some really mean comments. But um, what I uh, think about mean comments, people that are leaving mean comments are just, um, we call them internet trolls. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think if, peop- if people leave you negative feedback or, or people are being mean to you, is it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. Mm-hmm. They're not really happy with their lives, probably. There's something going on that is really good for anyone to remember. If you're you're getting a negative comment or somebody's being mean to you on the internet, just remember they're not very pleased with themselves and they're projecting it on you. So it has nothing to do with you.
0: But at the same time, and I and that's how I can put it in perspective too, but at the same time, I've been in places where I was very not happy with myself. And I would never do that. Like it doesn't, it's not logical to me, but a lot of things aren't logical to me. So I guess that's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have the same thing. A lot of people, a lot of things are not, I really don't understand a lot of things. Um, But people, everyone is different and everybody responds differently to certain things. So maybe you're just, your character is different from that person and everybody deals with their life in a certain way. For example, um, looking back on my art school, period, and those two, two teachers telling me that I can't draw really well, and I should pick a different, uh, 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 different uh, how do you call it, career. graduation project, yeah, a different career, um, looking back on it, I think I think they were not happy with their lives, and they're just projecting that on me, because mm-hmm. um, they could have been really constructive, they could have given me really good feedback, and say, oh, you should work more on this, or work more on that, Um so that's what I like a be- uh, about um, growing older. You get so much more experience, life experience, and you learn so much. Um, so if people give me negative feedback now or they're being mean to me, it always stinks. I'm not going to say there are people, yeah, it doesn't bother me anymore. And I think it always stinks to me. I always get like, why are you doing this? And most of the times I feel really sorry for them. So this, this is my automatic reaction. If someone's being mean to me, I always think, oh your life must be so sad and I, I instantly feel sad for them as well i think oh you what is your life gotten to that you're picking on people random strangers on the internet because that's quite sad if you're doing that um so but it always stings
0: because no, I, that, that's my yeah. automatic re-
1: response i'm just i'm still a little bit insecure about that so if someone says something mean it stings and then i get to the stage that i think okay something's wrong with your life and i feel very sorry
0: so I know you said you draw when you're going through a difficult time. And that's actually how I started my whole business is that way too. <laughs> but are there other things you do when you're going through a difficult time too? Like are there specific self-care things or like specific people you go to? Um,
1: well, um, we have a good system here in the Netherlands that you, um, you, you can get help from therapists when you're uh, going through depression. It's quite hard right now because so many people are uh, mentally ill and there are not enough therapists, I guess, because you have to wait for, I think, nine months to up to a year before you can get mental health here. So that's quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, um, I think we have it pretty good here in the Netherlands. Um, So when I feel like I'm feeling down and it's not going well, I try to go to the doctors immediately and say, can I get some help for this? And then they'll put me on a waiting list and hopefully I can get help soon. Um, What I also do is um, I take walks outside. (laughs) So I go into nature. Um, And that's one of the reasons that I I now live in a city, but um, I'm moving by the end of uh, this year or maybe early 2019 uh, to to a smaller town. Um, and there's a lot of nature there and um, I think that will influence me in a really good and healthy way because I always feel really grounded when I'm in nature so I can feel very uptight here in the city and if I go out here then I have to move myself around a lot of people before I can find my peace and um, I think it's really healthy for me to be in nature immediately and it's one of the reasons I'm moving out of the city as well so I can be in nature more. So nature is my number one medicine, actually, to uh, to to feel better about myself. Um, I try to talk about it with friends as well. If I feel really down, then I try to reach out to friends. I think that's very important. Um, I
0: think that that's the main thing. I love that. In I I talked to you. I interviewed. I don't know if you know her work, but Katie Ab. Um, um, if you don't, you so... can look her up. But <laughs> uh, you both have such good healthcare systems there, and we don't here. So, where like, where does if, she live? She lives in London or like uh-huh. England.
1: Yeah, um, we have it much better than in the U.S. Yeah, it's non-existent here.
0: Yeah. I could go to a therapist for like eighty or hundred dollars for an hour, but I—that's too hard. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it actually, it's the same price here. But um, we pay for healthcare, so we have general healthcare. We pay a monthly uh, amount for that, and then we pay. Uh, I pay a yearly amount as well. So all in all, a yearly I pay. I have to calculate. I'm very curious because the other day I thought it's quite expensive, but it's still good. Um, so I paid this times
0: twelve uh,
1: plus fifty. So I pay uh, a little bit over 3,000 euros a year. What and is
0: euro translated
1: to American money? I think it's about 3000 dollars. Three not two two thousand dollars
0: that's still less than ours yeah like, no ours is like and this is just like okay I'll, go, I'll give like the one for new york just for me in new york was 500 dollars a month wow
1: i couldn't and even afford that if I no to- i
0: couldn't either i pretty much paid like like i don't i i it was ridiculous and so now as a family, it's still, it's less because Florida is cheaper than New York and independent mm-hmm. health care is more expensive than like a group health care, but it's still like a scary amount, but it doesn't, n- almost none of them include mental health though. That's why I love like so your country so much is that they include mental health and here it's excluded. It's not important
1: enough. That's too weird.
0: It's so <laughs> weird. That's why I'm like, we need more podcasts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: You have to work your way around it. If you don't have healthcare, then you, you have to make some kind of healthcare for yourself through podcasts. I think, I think, I think I, I, what I said, I, I'm really, I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm living in Europe. Um, I realize that every day. And um, I don't, not all people in Europe realize how good we have it here. And it depends on the country because it's very different from Belgium and from France. It's very different from the Netherlands because everybody has their own system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in general, the Netherlands is, we, I think we have a pretty good here, just in general. And um there's healthcare available. Okay, it takes a year before <laughs> you get an appointment. um And that can be really frustrating, especially when you have a depression and you know you have to wait for a year before you're getting
0: help. It would that's be something a, completely different in a year. Like, can you imagine yeah. spiraling out of control and then a year later? Yeah. Like, it's not even what you originally. Yeah. You go see a counselor yeah, in another can, way like if you pay out of pocket if i hear some
1: some of my friends um they have to wait a year and last time i went to the doctor and i said uh this is not going well Uh, i i need really I, i really need help now and i could go to i went to a psychologist immediately he sent me to a psychologist just go now um and i don't know why why that is for some of my friends they have to wait a year and For me, I don't know if it's about my history or something, but he was like, okay, you have to go now. And I know that's good for me because if I had to wait a year, I I don't know what to do. I just need the help. So I really (laughs) need that help. I I couldn't, um, sometimes I think I couldn't live without it. So, yeah. And it's also because I don't take medication. Um, A lot of people here in the Netherlands are taking medication for depression and I don't take them. So um, I'm really relying on the talks I have with people, with the specialists. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, well, okay. I have one more question and then we'll kind of wrap up. I want you to tell everybody about all the grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and about how you can drive an hour and be in a completely different country. I don't know where yeah. all the people are that listen to my podcast and I don't really think there's that many of them to be honest <laughs> if you actually listen. I think most are in America. So I, I want you to tell everybody how amazing it is there. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, I
1: have I, I think I have picked up this hobby many years ago and to me <laughs> maybe I'm I always overthink everything but to me uh, a grocery store or supermarket as they call them here um it's like it's one big store with the culture of one country uh the whole co- the whole culture of one country is in a supermarket and I don't know if other people see that that way as well but When I go to a supermarket in France, I see people doing their shopping there. It's just daily shopping. And I can see what they're cooking and I can see what people buy there. And every supermarket, every grocery store is so different from, for example, the uh, French uh, supermarket so different from a German one. And the way they, um, of course, there are uh, things that are always the same. Like they have a, an area for the meats and for the fruits and for the vegetables. Um, but the way they do it is always very different. Like you're, you're, it, it, to me, it's just like an amusement park. A supermarket is better than an amusement park. You see so many people walking about their families, single people, old people, young people, and um, they all get together. It doesn't matter how old you are or uh, how much you earn. And there are poor people and there are rich people and everybody comes together and they do their daily shopping. And to me, it's just always so fascinating. And I haven't even talked about the, the packaging. Every packaging, it, it's very... The Danish ones are really designy and they're so beautiful and they're elegant. And you go to German supermarkets and it's so ugly sometimes. <laughs> I just love it. It's so ugly that you have to love it. Um, so it, to me, it's everything. It's about culture. Uh, it's about design as well. Uh, it's about daily life. So that's why I love I'm obsessed with supermarkets it's just amazing
0: (laughs) literally my husband and I well first of all everything we did on the weekend we were like where do we want to eat and then we go to like that part of New York for the day but like any supermarket we pass any bakery like anything that had to do with food I'm like I need to go in there even if it's like American because there are so many different types of American grocery stores too in New York but I'm just like (gasps) I just love looking at like the condiments I'm like And all the different, like, I don't even know what half the stuff is sometimes. Like, because it's not even in English. So I'm like, what would you do with that item? Like (laughs) Sometimes I'm in a country
1: and I buy random stuff. I don't even know what it is. But I think, oh, this must be, I don't know what this is. I will just buy it and try it. And I don't even know what it is. (laughs) This is so very exciting. (laughs) And I think it's so universal. Food is so very universal. Every human being eats food. And it's just the way you package (laughs) it. and the way you buy it and that's what i love about foreign uh, supermarkets so that's that's a beautiful thing that i live in the netherlands i can drive for uh, one hour and i'm in belgium i can drive for three hours and i'm in france and and i can drive for one and a half hours and i'm in in germany i'm so jealous i'm
0: hanging out with you i'm coming to you can you send (laughs) me your jet (laughs) i'll send you my jet thank you Uh, I will
1: tell Joyce that he should uh, pack up the jet and go to Florida. Oh,
0: thank you so much. I will be waiting with my little suitcase. (laughs) Is there anything you have to buy at every grocery store? Um, Well, I have a a
1: different shopping list for every supermarket. So if I go to Germany, then I will always get... um, They have this tin cans with fish in it and in tomato sauce. So they have fish in tomato sauce in a tin can. And I always get that in Germany. I also get mayonnaise in Germany because it's really, I don't know, it's just so much so different from Dutch mayonnaise. So I always get that. And I always get pickles because the jars in Germany are so much better and bread as well. And in France, I always get a baguette and I always get, what do I get in France? I made a list as well, but I just try to get the products that I can't get in the Netherlands and just buy them over there and just try them. That's That's the funnest part, I think.
0: See, I always have to buy cookies and every like every single grocery store we go to especially Asian ones I just love Asian baked goods um but wherever we go if I find it if I find a grocery store I'm like I don't know what those cookies are but I need them like so yeah I'm not
1: that cookie uh, cookie obsessed
0: <laughs> How are we friends <laughs> <laughs> why well, don't like mayonnaise <laughs> like <laughs>
1: Mayonnaise is the best. I, I read somewhere that there's a a ban on mayonnaise. I think uh, hipster people don't like mayonnaise. And I think, how can you not like I mayonnaise? I don't like
0: mayonnaise. Neither my husband. Oh my but my mother is obsessed with mayonnaise. And her father, because we're Jewish, so I think it's like a Jewish thing. Like, <laughs> I guess I'm not a very good Jew. But like, my grandfather and uncle used to eat mayonnaise sandwiches, which sounds disgusting. And then my just mom mayonnaise on them? Just mayonnaise on the oh, bread. No, no, that No, but that's not also, doable. They were also born in the twenties, so maybe they just didn't have money for anything to go on the bread <laughs> with the mayonnaise. But like I much prefer butter sandwiches. <laughs> like
1: yeah. yeah, but mayonnaise is a topping. So you always have to have the bread, then you have the the proper topping like tomatoes or cheese or whatever. And then you put mayonnaise on it. It's just you you can't have bread and then just put mayonnaise on it that's just because the uh, uh bread gets really soggy and that's ugh,
0: no that's not, not how you do it my mom has like i'm showing i'm showing you but no one can see this in a podcast but it's like this much mayonnaise like an inch wide what? mayonnaise with like a little bit of turkey and then some bread and she's like oh mayonnaise and i'm like oh gross <laughs> Oh my but my maybe it's a generation thing because my
1: mom is obsessed with mayonnaise. Well I like mayonnaise but my mom lives for it. It's just ridiculous. She was she was actually quite quite horrible. She was in the hospital and she was really ill. And then I make I make make terrible jokes always. And then I said to the doctor, um, just make sure she has an how do you call it IV that you get the drips Of mayonnaise. <laughs> maybe put mayonnaise in and she will be Better by tomorrow, and he was looking at me. Is she serious? What is this? Oh yeah, my mom lost mayonnaise. I think maybe too. it is a
0: generational thing. Yeah,
1: huh.
0: I don't know. My mom and I your like mom should be friends.
1: Yeah, they can share their recipes with
0: mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise I think we've talked about mayonnaise so much. if any mayonnaise sponsors want to sponsor this episode? Yeah, come yeah, just sponsor me. us.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. I oh, listen.
0: I'll make sure to put that in the hashtags. (laughs) Mayonnaise. (laughs) People will be really confused. But who would actually click on a mayonnaise hashtag anyway? So I don't know. My mom. You? (laughs) Is her on Instagram?
1: Yeah, she is. She doesn't really use it. But my mom is only on social media because I'm on it. Mm. (laughs) She she said yesterday to me, she said, oh, I I kind of want to get rid of Facebook. And I said, just do it. Just get rid of Facebook. She yeah, but then I don't see what you're doing. I thought I, yep. that's really sad. My my, I don't speak to my mom enough, and she has to follow me on Facebook and on Instagram to keep up with my life. That's kind of sad. Maybe I should call her more often.
0: And then you're like, nah, no. Yeah,
1: I'll post it on Instagram.
0: She'll <laughs> so, I'll post this actual thing on Instagram. Oh, make it a comic. Maybe I should call my mom more. No, I'll just post it on Instagram. I, I think that would be a
1: really good comic as well. Yeah.
0: So uh wrapping everything up with a big bow um how do you and bread think- and mayonnaise and bread and mayonnaise <laughs> but don't eat the bow that might cause digestive digestional yeah. issues yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe only maybe um how do you think all of your experiences have made you who you are today do you think they've impacted like uh how you treat people or what you do for a living or your personality
1: oh absolutely um because someone asked me a while ago she said um if you could go back into time and change your life in some parts. And would you wish not to be picked on in primary school? And I said, no, I want to be picked on because I have no clue who I would be today if I wasn't teased so much. And I didn't know what I, who I would be if I didn't have a bad relationship before. So yes, I would do it exactly the same because I'm really happy with who I am right now. And I don't want to be any different. Of course, I'm not always happy with how I respond to stuff. And sometimes I think, oh, it would be really nice if I was this happy-go-lucky person. But on the other hand, I i think I have more to offer with the experience I have now. So I wouldn't change a bit.
0: I love that. I'm trying to remember what you just said so I can say it to myself. I think I have more to offer with the something, something, something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I have I think I have more to offer with all the experience that I've gained over the years in my life. And I agree. If you erase your experiences, then you're not the person that you are today.
0: No, it's true. No, exactly. Mm. But I'm curious what a person who's not comfortable with who they are now as like a 30-year-old would feel that way. Because everyone like almost everyone I know feels that way. But at the same mm-hmm. time, not that everyone I know is happy, but they're. I think most people I know are happy with themselves. There's just something about being in your 30s. You end up like, I don't know. I don't care what you think. <laughs> I'm going to do <laughs> what I'm going to do. It's cool. Like, You don't have to yeah. like me. Like.
1: <laughs> I, I think it, looking back on it, I think I've always known who I was. And I've always known that it would be okay. Um, even when I was going tr- uh, through really rough periods, I always knew. Um, it was going to get better. And it sounds really weird because I went to, uh, through a very heavy depression, like really bad. Um, and even when I was on my lowest, I always knew um, it's so very dark right now. It's so incredibly dark. Everything is black around me. But that also means it can't can't get more dark. So it's going to be light somewhere sometime because I know the sun always comes up after a night. So if I, I I know that if it's so dark and it's so miserable, it can only go up. So that's what really put me through when I was going through a heavy depression.
0: I'm curious like when you're really struggling and you're like very depressed, then all the days seem like black. Like where in your brain was like no 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 like telling you that like a little whisper like no 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 it, it's gonna get better. Like I I'm curious why some people have that whisper and some people don't. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I, I think I'm very lucky. But, but, but the thing is that um, that's the weird thing. Um, I have uh, always been feeling like this. I, um, when I talked to a therapist six months ago, she said, would you say that your life is generally very happy and then you have low points? Or would you say your life is just like uh, low and then you have some high points? And I said the latter, um, I have, I don't feel generally happy. I just, I have just really high points that I feel really happy. And then I have lower points that I feel really down, but, um, it's not like I'm the really happiest person. Um, and I think that's what the, the does to my brain. I think it makes me, um, feel more sad than just average. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if you would take out the dystimia in my brain, I think I'm a really happy person because when I'm happy, I can be really happy, I can get really excited. And I know people that are not that excited um, because in general, I really love life. If I'm not sad, I love, I could even cry because I love life so much. And some people don't even realize how beautiful life is. I feel sometimes so sad for us people. Because um, I can enjoy a blue sky so much and I can love um, in, in spring when uh, you just, uh, when people mow the lawn and you smell the, the, the grass and everything is fresh. I think if you, you understand how beautiful that those little things are, mm-hmm. that, that really pulled me through. Because when I was going through my depression, I would wake up in the morning, I think, um, I didn't want to die, but waking up was really rough. Like... I would wake up and the the, uh, thought that popped up in my head was immediately, oh crap, another day.
0: Oh my gosh, me too. Not right now. But like, yeah, (laughs) it's like, I have to do this again. Yeah.
1: And you think it's just dreading on. And that was life for me. It was just dreading on, I think. But I always remembered somewhere, this is going to get better. And I have no clue where that comes from. Um, But I always knew this is going... It it can't get any worse than this. This is the lowest I can get. So it can only go up. And um, sometimes I think of people that uh, commit suicide. And I think that's the difference. They don't hear that voice for some reason. So maybe that's one of the reasons that I talk a lot about um, self-help and about depression. Because maybe I try to be that voice for those people. So if I hear someone that is talking about depression, I try... Because I hear that voice, but maybe they don't hear it. So I try to be that voice. It's going to get better. It can't get any worse than this. It's going to get, I promise you this. So that's why I keep telling people with a depression or that are feeling really low, but I say, it's going to get better. I promise you.
0: That's why I wanted to write books so bad. It's because I'm like, a lot of books are so like happy that are like, it's going to be great. And I'm like, no, it's not. It sucks right now. I'm like, where are the books yeah. that say like, it sucks right now? But, and then the next page will be like, but maybe hopefully one day it might get better. Like, and I'm really curious when I was struggling in my deepest, deepest depression if I had that voice. Like, I don't remember. Like, it makes me happy that you remember Mm -hmm. the voice. At my lowest, I don't know. I don't even know how I survived. (laughs) Like,
1: yeah, if you look back at it, if I look back at that time, I think, how did I do this? How did I pull myself through? But I think, maybe you have that as well, you understand how beautiful life can be as well. And I think you have some kind of mini archive in your head that still remembers, even if it's just really teeny tiny, but you still remember somewhere. And Mm -hmm. if you can uh, grab that feeling and think, okay, it's going, it's small right now. It's like a really small candle that's burning a little bit. But if you
0: can remember that feeling, then you have something to hold on to. That's a good point. Like I am like a four-year-old like I literally just said to my husband the other day I'm like oh, we have the cereal we have the cereal I'm like am I weird like is anyone <laughs> else dancing because they have cereal and he's like no, no I do the same enjoy thing. the little things and I'm like oh okay cereal like
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do that too I can get really excited over really silly things cereal
0: lizard one of my friends is like you say hi to every lizard that passes by I'm like I just <laughs> lizards I can't help it I say hi to everybody ah, I, say I have hi a to ladybug I I have a
1: thing with ladybugs. I love ladybugs.
0: I say hi to all, unless it's a bug I find creepy. I usually say hi to flowers and animals outside. Like I love snails. This is a way out. Getting snails. No I I Love them them so much. We had one outside our house the other day, and I named him Jeremiah. And I told him to come back for some chili tomorrow. (laughs) And because my husband is amazing, he said instead of saying you weirdo, he said, "Do you think he will come by for chili?" Okay, I will confess something. Um, oh no, I'm nervous. If if I if I
1: went somewhere, if I went to a town or a city, um, when we're driving out of the city, I'll always wave goodbye to the city and I'll say thank you, city, goodbye. And always so cute. <laughs> yeah, maybe because we're five year olds in our heads.
0: I well, yeah. what I was gonna say earlier, but I forgot, is like, ultimately, we are who we are at six, and we're still that person when we're however old. But I feel mm-hmm. like life tells you what you can and can't be. And mm-hmm. then you get to a point where you don't care anymore. So I'm still obsessed with all the same stuff I was when I was six. I love stickers yes. and rainbows and unicorns. and But now it's okay. Not from everybody. But it's okay enough that I'm like... Yeah. Isn't there a quote that says that um, also it has to do with imagination, but
1: um, we, we all, our ch- children are on the inside, but we just mm-hmm. learn how to to be an adult or something like that but i think a lot of people because when i do something for example i love lego and i love toys and um i'm drawing for a living i'm basically a six-year-old child like i can draw for a living and i get paid um and then a lot of people say oh i'm so jealous of you i wish uh, i could do that or i wish i could buy lego and just play with it and i think yes you can but it's just a choice you're making right now it's just everything is a choice okay i can be a proper grown-up and not buy Lego and not play with stuff, but I don't want to do that. I just wanted to to play around and I want to
0: play roller coaster Tycoon and. See, that's those- why you should have children, millions of them. No. Oh when, no, no. On my registry, I was like, "What toys do I want?" And so, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I put on the registry is like a play, for, like these little like plush. Um, farm animals and like it lives in a house and you open the house and it's like a oh. farm and oh, i like, love this I one. want that so bad okay the baby needs this <laughs> <laughs> oh and I, I asked my, only... ask my husband can I play with this before the baby's born and he's like no it doesn't belong to you <laughs> like
1: <laughs> but I bought it
0: <laughs> it's <fine>. mine <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to him when he's old enough like, yeah oh uh, no I don't want children because then I have to share my toys it, that that is very <laughs> true no it's true but I thought about so I really wanted a girl at first and I thought about there's all these dolls like there's this brand of dolls called blah blah dolls and, mm-hmm. I'm like, and they're way too expensive for me to buy for myself But maybe someone would give my daughter a blah blah like shaped like a mermaid or a unicorn or something <laughs> but I'm certainly not going to buy myself a $70 doll um which I think someone should still buy that for my son, if anyone's listening. But, um, sponsors, please. <laughs> sponsors, mayonnaise and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect combination. For a mental I also like
1: podcasts also really sponsored by appropriate sponsors. Like you yeah, have the podcast by Andy uh, J. Pizza, sponsored by AstroPad. <laughs> Sorry, you can leave that out. But I think, oh, that's so appropriate. I just want to be sponsored by mayonnaise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's literally what i was thinking too it's like today's sponsor is it's dolls who wants more dolls like, okay weird people but um yay i feel like i could talk to you forever good god yeah
1: oh um, we've been talking for um, along
0: about almost two hours
1: <laughs> yeah maybe uh-huh. i should come back weekly
0: okay <laughs> and Please have a little friends. cry on the show okay and i'll cry
1: on the show that's trouble. my thing one episode <laughs> of crying
0: and this week we'll hear tears <laughs> sobbing
1: uncontrollable sobbing
0: and they'll be like instead of being sponsored by mayonnaise this week we're sponsored. we'll just hear you cry <laughs> like yeah just, okay. by,
1: tissues. <laughs> just sponsored by tissues i hope
0: you're an interesting crier
1: <laughs> I, i'm a really ugly crier like if i cry i'll have like, you on my my face, it's so good that there is not a face in the podcast because I'm such a... Eh, my face gets all puffy and red and just ugly.
0: We'll do a crying episode and I'll invite you back on. <laughs> yeah,
1: I cry all the time. I Thank love
0: you. crying. People should I, cry more. I don't know if I love it, but it happens often. And then there's this weird trigger with your brain once you have a baby. I cried through every commercial before, but now anything that has to do with babies, I immediately cry. Like... <laughs> Anyway, I, and that didn't happen before. The crying during like a diaper commercial never happened. The crying during like a dog commercial <laughs> happened, but like now, if I see like a diaper commercial, I'm like, <laughs> <they're> like <laughs> oh. every time. Yeah,
1: but um, I feel. That, but the the thing is that if you start crying, people immediately said, "Oh, don't cry," and I think yes, I need to cry. Just let me cry, please. It's it's more than okay to cry. Hey, what is that? Is that did you make
0: that? Yeah, it's just a little bit oh, that. Thank you. Oh, it's so oh, nice.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing is because um I do a lot of reading and I read a lot of psychology books, like an insane amount of psychology book. Um one time my therapist said, Well, if you were to take an exam in psychology today, you would pass it because I studied so much about it. Um and then um my, uh, my, ther- another another therapist who said, Well, you have uh, certain emotions. You have happy, sad, um, Satter. scared. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have you have happy, sad, scared,
0: uh, angry. So.
1: Yeah, angry. Those are the f- four basic emotions. And he said, You should have them every day, all four emotions. And if you're not having them, uh, on one day then you're ignoring one of your emotions so you have to go through all these four emotions every day even if it's just maybe you're a little bit angry but you have to go through them and if you don't go through them then you're ignoring something um and i think in our society it's very common to just be happy happy is very much allowed and you're allowed to be happy and that is the thing i see on social media as well if you're happy then that's yay you're happy and you show on instagram how happy you are and then if you're sad, people immediately assume you're, something is very wrong with you. Be- but, but sad is just one of the daily emotions. So that's what I um, try to do on social media and on Instagram as well, just to show people, yeah, I have happy days, but there are sad days as well. And the thing is that if you have 10 happy days in a row and you have one sad day, people assume on Instagram that you're really depressed just okay. because you have one sad day. And I think that's ridiculous. Because if you look at it properly everybody has sad days and we just choose not to share them but it doesn't mean that they're not there Mm
0: -hmm. or not even share them some people just choose not to accept them so they're kind of like numb humans
1: (laughs) (laughs) Humans. oh oh, there was this this business lady here in the netherlands and i like she's very young and and i like the way she approached things but at one point she said in her instagram stories Sometimes I'm sad, but I choose not to be sad. I choose happy. And I thought, woman, you're mental. That's just not how life works. You can't choose to not be sad. It's just not like, ooh, what do I choose today? Happy or sad? (laughs) No, It's just, it's emotions. You're not, if you're sad, then you should be sad because otherwise you're bottling it up. Mm -hmm. And if you're bottling up your emotions, so if you're not allowed for your sad to get out, then it will tear you down on the inside it will come out one way or another and if you choose to uh, put it on the inside and not let it out then it will burst out at some point because you can't choose to be not sad Mm -hmm.
0: but I see growing up not I because there's so many people who don't agree with that like I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to have that growing up Mm -hmm. and then what do you do with all those things like I was very depressed. So I just kind of sat in my room and watched like VHS tapes and that's it. (laughs) But
1: that is what happens in my household. It was the same with my my mother as well. She said, don't be sad. She said, you're always, this is what my mother said, you're always crying. You're always sad. And then uh, it resulted in me being in my uh, bedroom and just crying by myself, Mm -hmm. which is very unhealthy because then you realize, well, oh, so I can't be sad. This has to be... And I think a lot of people grow up that way, that sadness is something you do in private and don't share with the people you love. And I think that's, in many ways, that's very wrong and not healthy at all. You're right. I think sadness needs to get get out. So nowadays, I just cry in public. I don't care. (laughs) I'll just, if I'm in a supermarket, like the other day, I was getting really overwhelmed in an art supply store. And I was with a friend, and he doesn't know me that well. And I was getting overwhelmed because they changed the interior that's something else but i get really really uh, overwhelmed if if i go to a, a certain store and i know where everything is and they change it all around and i get really overwhelmed so that's what happened and i said you just go into the store and i'll have a little cry here at the entrance and when i'm ready i will come get you and he was like what are you doing i said, i just need a little cry just leave me be okay and I didn't care if people were looking at me and just, oh, who is this strange lady crying in the art supply
0: store? And I just, just that, that, that's just me. I, I need that little cry. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> um, so how can people find you online? Uh, do you want to tell them, like, your website name? And I'm pretty sure all of your names are probably the same everywhere, but you could tell them oh, that.
1: <laughs> it's a little bit weird because um, my name, Marloes de Vries, is actually one of the most common names in the Netherlands. Oh so for there serious. Are, yeah, they're You're like over, the John Smith
0: of Northern Ireland? Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what it is. And there are over 500 people named Malus de Vries and there are actually three illustrators that are named Malus de Vries. No way. Yeah. So oh it's, my gosh. it's so confusing. So um for example, you can't take uh, uh, www.johnsmith.com because no. that's probably taken I'm, I was really lucky that I still got my name marloucedefeeze.com so that's my website I got it like 15 years ago um, and then on Instagram and on other social media I can be found uh, as uh, fee so it's E um because marloucedefeeze was already taken oh
0: <laughs> so. man
1: yeah i was really bummed out about that <laughs> is
0: but, it at least an account that's active it's the worst uh, when you go to find yeah, an account and no one yeah. knows about anything <laughs> why are you taking
1: my account <laughs> this is my name no it is, it is active and the funny thing is that um she sent me a message the the at so, like instagram.com slash reluce the fleece and she gets tagged to so many posts because people think that's me and she oh. sent me a message the other day so yeah, I now follow you on Instagram because people kept tagging me and stuff, and I was like, "Who is this my other Maluste Fries?" <laughs> so now she's
0: following me. I think your goal is to meet all five hundred of them. Yeah, I've been
1: thinking of making a little zine about all oh. the Vries. Oh my
0: gosh, that's so cool! And we then, should
1: do that. and then I, I would name it. My name is Maluste Fries, and then make a little profile drawing of all of them. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah it's such a common name it's really boring if I if I that's one thing I would have changed I think if I could go back 10 years in time I would just change my name to something else what would it be I have no idea but I Jennifer would I, yeah I think that's perfect <laughs> I will take that one no because because malus malus is such a difficult name for uh English-speaking countries as well basically everything that's non-dutch malus is pretty much not pronounceable, so. <laughs> I was um, close. Yeah, I- you were, but most people don't don't are, are not that close. Oh. So it's, it's difficult to remember. I think I get called so many names. Like most of the people think that I my name is Marlo, and then if they know me from social media, they think my name is Marlo, as the V, so as <laughs> the V is my last name. So <laughs> many people say hello Marlowe and I think yeah Marloos, <laughs> you, you missed the last part. <laughs> ah, that's fine.
0: Um, so are there any exciting projects coming up for you that people can keep an eye on? Um,
1: yeah, actually there is, um, uh, but mostly based in the Netherlands, which is really exciting for me because I started my career in the US and the UK and uh, now I'm slowly coming back to the Netherlands and working for more uh, clients there. So I am doing a weekly comic in a big children's magazine here, especially for girls. Um that's perfect! So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely perfect um, because this is a really girly girl mag, so it's really pink and uh, sweet. And um, I'm going to make a comic about kind of a tomboy. So um, a girl that's more tough, not really into uh, boys, and she's not into makeup. Basically it's me as a 11 or 12 year old perfect
0: that means it's me as an 11 or 12 year old (laughs) yeah i think so and i think it will speak to a lot of
1: children that are a lot of girls that are not into makeup and into boys and i think that's very important to show girls that um what's really important to me is that they don't have to be thin they don't have to diet and the main uh, message that i want to get across is that they're okay they're fine the way they are they should Amen. be proud of themselves. So, yeah, I'm that's what so I'm really excited. Yeah, and that's in Dutch, but but for me, it's really an accomplishment because the magazine is has been around for fifty years, and uh, every girl in the Netherlands grew up with that magazine, and it's such an honor for me to make uh, a comic, a weekly comic for that. And the other important part is that I'm the first female comics maker for that magazine. So oh my gosh, only-
0: seriously, for a girls' magazine yeah that's crazy they haven't all been men
1: and i'm the first female that is
0: yeah because i think that's so important because they
1: have a yearly festival as well where every uh comics maker and all the authors are signing and when i was growing up there were only men that were signing uh, the books and i'm going to be the first woman and i hope girls think oh i can be a comics maker
0: as well so i really hope to inspire them oh my gosh I'm so glad I asked you this question I'm so excited I'm (laughs) bouncing
1: (laughs) yeah I'm so happy with that and then in I think early 2019 my comics book is coming out in the Netherlands as well so in in Dutch and I really hope there will be uh, a UK or US publisher as well that wants to do my that wants to publish my comics as a book because yeah I'm obsessed with books books are my life I have to. Books, I'm obsessed.
0: I don't want, I tell my husband all the time, you should be really grateful. I don't like clothes, like, I don't like makeup, I don't like bags. Thing. I like some art supplies and books. I just want all the books.
1: Like, <laughs> that's exactly how I am. I, 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 I'm not bothered about clothing or shoes or makeup or, or, or all that. I just want, give me books and I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really me
0: too. And cookies <laughs> and tea. I need the cookies and tea too. Like, it's a combo. Uh, chocolate. Okay, that (laughs) works. Yeah, well, yay! I super enjoyed having you on the podcast, and yeah, thank you so much. Forever and ever. (laughs) I'm
1: really that's the weird thing. I often say to I'm an introvert and I don't like talking to people, but sometimes if you feel that connection and you feel something is good and people understand you, then I'm just rambling on like a a mad woman, like, oh, I'll tell you everything about my life. (laughs) Here it is. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked the episode, please subscribe, or even better, leave a review. It makes iTunes really happy and hopefully makes them share this podcast with other people, which would make me really happy. If you have any ideas for topics to cover or for people you'd like me to interview, please email me. My email address is in the show notes. And thank you again. Have a great day.